Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. You know, I keep saying one more thing I want to point out, but there's two more things I want to point out really quickly. First, if you did not notice our backup drummer Congo player is not in her usual spot. Ani is uh, Ani and Asher are visiting their grandparents, so uh, just just pray that Alyssa and Ben enjoy some time off to, to hang out together. And another thing, even though I know you guys, you know, I'm wearing a shirt, I just wanted to give a shout out to Melanie for wearing her shirt. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. All right, but um, now for those of you, I know some people are still in denial about this, but for the record, uh, we are in the Christmas season, Victoria, okay? I just want to throw that out there. We are. Now, here's the thing. In addition to being in the Christmas season, I know a lot of people are out buying gifts. And um, how many people are, are going to do the Thanksgiving evening Black Friday thing? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I, I, here's, I, I don't have a problem with Black Friday, you know, but I tend to just go buy stuff for myself. So I have stopped doing the Black Friday thing because there's so much cool stuff that I'm like, I would love this. Uh, but here's the thing. In the Christmas season, a lot of people, and you've probably seen this on Facebook, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, they start off by posting things that they are thankful for. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. We, the church, the body of Christ, we are supposed to not only share, whether it be on Facebook or just saying it on Thanksgiving around the dinner table with family and friends, hey, here's what we're thankful for. We're supposed to be the ones that demonstrate being thankful, what that means. Uh, the only way that the world is going to know what it means to be grateful and thankful is if the church demonstrates it. And let me put a couple of verses up here real quick. First uh, Thessalonians, Paul is talking to the church and he says, and this is the Amplified Version, be happy in your faith. So he's talking to Christ followers uh, and rejoice and be glad hearted continually, always, always. Uh, Not just once, not just on Christmas, not just Thanksgiving, always. He says, be unceasing in prayer, meaning praying perseveringly. And then he says, thank God in everything. Not just at Thanksgiving, not just during the Christmas season, not just when we get gifts, not just when we're around the Thanksgiving table, but in everything. When things go wrong, when things go great, when things go wonderful, when things aren't moving at all, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, Be thankful and give thanks. This is the church. He's telling the church, this is how we are supposed to be 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because we have Christ in us. And he says, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus. He's talking to the church. And it may seem crazy, and it does seem crazy if you don't have Christ in you, to when things are going wrong, when you're stuck on the side of the road, in the rain, late for work, and your car is broken down, and you're waiting for someone to come, and you know that your boss has already told you if you're late again, you're going to get fired. So this may be the end for you, and it may not make sense to say, thank you, Jesus. But that's what we're supposed to do, because this is God's will for you, who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. Now, not only are we supposed to give thanks, but we're supposed to just give freely. We're supposed to model generosity, what it means to give. The world's version of give is strictly tied to finances. God's version of giving 
is giving thanks, giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our treasure. And I'll talk more about that next week. Uh, But this is what Paul tells the church in 2 Corinthians. He says, remember this. And if you look it up, this is the NIV. If you look it up in King James, NIV, complete Jewish Bible, which gives you more of the Jewish background, it means exactly that. Remember this. Make sure that you recall this, that whoever sows or gives or gives of their time, talents, or treasures sparingly will also reap. That means what you'll get back will be sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And this is the key part, because a lot of people focus on that, and a lot of churches will tell you, this is why you've got to give all your money to the church. That is not what this verse says. It is giving, period, whether you're giving it to a neighbor, your time, your talents, your treasure, whether you're giving it to the church, or you're giving it to an organization. We are supposed to model what it means to be generous, which is why that's one of our core values, authentic community, which means being there for one another and being real with one another, extreme generosity, giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures, and passionate spirituality. And in verse 7, he says, each man should give what he has decided in your heart to give. It's not up to me to tell you, hey, you need to give big or whatever. It's up to God. Because, again, he's talking to the church. And this is cool. Uh, Let me wrap up this portion with this. He says, in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that verse, it kind of throws me off a little bit because sometimes, depending on what you're giving and when you're giving, we're not too cheerful about it. I usually don't smile when I'm doing my taxes, giving money away to the government. Some of us may be happy when we're giving gifts. I'm happier when I'm getting them. God is working on me. But sometimes to give gifts, it makes people happy. And here's why. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you look up that word, it literally means this. Now, I don't know if you guys can see this. Under uh, transliteration, it's hilaros. Hilaros. Does that sound familiar? How many people know of a word, that's the Greek, that we get from hilarious? hilarious. It's hilarious. That's, that's, and now, when something's hilarious, you are giddy with joy. It makes you laugh, and it makes you happy. That's what giving is supposed to be like. And for some people, this is what I tell people. You don't have to give to everything that comes in front of you. You find the thing that feeds you, that makes you happy, that makes you cheerful, and you give to that. The thing that would give you joy to give. And like we just read, that's what God loves. And for some people, it may be the shoeboxes. They get excited about giving the shoeboxes and knowing that the little kid's going to open the box and he's going to see. And then the gospel will be shared. For some people, it may be toys for tots. It may be giving a toy to a child that may not get a toy. And knowing that you are part of making that child happy, for some people, I hope and I pray, it's going to be what Linda is going to come and talk about. So I'm going to ask Linda to come up, and uh, she's going to share about what is called the free wheelchair mission. And I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm just going to let her uh, have at it. Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is, an, this is definitely a hilarious church. We've been in lots. <laughs> Worship was awesome. Thank you so much for allowing us to come. Uh, we have a vision, and we have a heart for a ministry called Free Wheelchair Mission. And it is really at a tipping point in Pittsburgh. There's lots of people that have gotten involved, and it was um, um, a need in the world that we had no idea <clears throat> until we met a man named Don Schoendorfer. He was the founder of this organization. And he, can I come down here a little bit for a little kid to come? And then I'll go back and I have to read the word. Um, He uh, lived and worked in Los Angeles, California, Irvine, California, living the American dream, 
just um, excited about life. He was an engineer, brilliant, uh, brilliant man of God, just a smart, smart man. And uh, he went on a vacation to Morocco and with some friends, and while he was there in the marketplace, he saw a woman digging her hands into the dirt and pulling herself along. And he, she was filthy, her clothes were tattered and torn, her hands were bleeding, and his heart was broken. And he said to the guy that he was with, why doesn't this woman have a wheelchair? And the guy just kind of laughed at him and said, you know what, you're not in America. There's no money for wheelchairs. There's no wheelchairs here that would even work. And if you tried to ship them from America to here, it wouldn't work on our terrain. And so the thing that bothered Dawn the most was the people were jeering at her. They were yelling at her to get out of the way. They were stepping over her. Cars were beeping at her. Not one person lent a hand or had compassion to help her get off the ground or to cross the street to where she was going. And so Don went home to America, and he was really distraught. And um, he thought about this woman all the time. His words to us in our own home was he was haunted by her. He dreamt about her. And finally, he decided to do an early retirement. He left his cushy engineer job, and he went into his garage, and he said, God, you know what? You've given me a brilliant mind. I want you to help me to make a wheelchair out of the things that are in my garage that will work on the terrain that's inexpensive and that's durable to get people off the ground. And before he made that decision, he did a lot of research and found out that there was 100 million people crawling on the ground in the world today. 100 million. That blew me away when I heard that. But not only that, <coughs> they believe that they're cursed of God because they can't participate in church, school, um, friends. Some of them are just kind of like hanging out in their house waiting for somebody in their family to carry them someplace. And so uh, Don went into his garage, and this is the wheelchair that he came up with. It's a simple resin lawn chair. It's five plies stronger than what you can buy in a store. It has mountain bike tires. It's a simple steel frame. It has, um, it has brakes on it. It has a little wrench in the kick plate, and you guys are more than welcome to take a ride in this. What I told the pastor was, don't let your youth group <laughs> go down a hill and do wheelies in this wheelchair. But you certainly can check it out here and even in the parking lot. But I just wouldn't want to have any liability of you going flying down like I had an image of your pastor doing. <laughs> but anyway, it's a really cool wheelchair. Now listen, this wheelchair only costs $71.88 to make it and ship it to anywhere in the world. So after he had this in his, in his garage, he had like 100 of them. And his wife was like, okay, there's 100 wheelchairs in my garage. I want my, what's the next step? Like, what's God saying to you? He's like, I don't know. So <laughs> seriously, he's, he's really laid back. I don't know. So he decided to go on a trip to India with a clinical group that was doctors and nurses. And um, they only let him bring four wheelchairs, and they totally tried to discourage him the whole ways. Engineers, doctors do not get along, even though they were Christians, two different ends of the spectrum. But he went, and he was trusting God. When he got there, they're putting up this huge tent, and off in the distance, he saw a mother and a father coming down the mountainside with a young girl. She had shriveled legs and shriveled arms. She was wailing. She was not happy. She was hot, miserable. Any of you that have children in the summer, you know, when they're sticky and miserable, this is the way this child was. Plus, she just didn't like being carried. She was, um, I believe she was like 10 years old. She looked about five or six because of her legs and arms. And Dawn hurried up, and he ran, and he got one of the wheelchairs. And when the mother got down there, he motioned for her to put the child in the wheelchair. And when he did, when the mother put, him, put her in the wheelchair, she immediately stopped crying. And the mother instinctively pushed the wheelchair back and forth. And so that was really cool. Dawn was really excited. So she te he tells her through an interpreter that she can have this wheelchair, and she begins to cry. 
They bring the wheelchair up the mountain in a truck to her hut. The wheelchair was the only piece of furniture that she had in that, in that place of dwelling. Um, she had a mattress uh, for her family to sleep on and an open pit fire. And so um, the next day, word just really spread because the whole community came out to see what Dawn was giving to this woman. And the next day, there was hundreds of people that had crawled on the ground to get to him that wanted a wheelchair. And Dawn only had three more to give out. So he came back to the United States, and he did a cross-country bicycle trip. His motto is, use your mobility to bring mobility to someone. And so he went from New York to California, or California to New York. I always forget which way he went. But he just took three to four weeks, went across the United States, and, um, and he just got the word out, told people of the need. And when he got back to California, two big churches that were down there, Mariners and another one that were huge, picked him up, taught him how to be a 501c3, and that's how Free Wheelchair Mission was born. Um, in the last 12 years, we've given away over 700,000 wheelchairs, and we are right now in 90 countries around the world. So I'm telling you what has happened. The wheelchair has become a platform to share the gospel. And so I, I just have some scripture that God has really laid on my heart to encourage you with. But first, I want you to just relax and watch this video. And there's an amazing man of God named Lauren Cunningham that started Free Wheelchair Mission. If any of you know him, one of his favorite sayings is, uh, every great ministry starts with a thought from God that's not your own. And so as you're watching this video, I want you to think about what God would have you do to engage with us to bring people to mobility. There's over 100 million people in the world that are crawling on the ground as, as I speak, waiting to be carried, crawling on the ground, or they're languishing in the back room, sometimes uh, not seeing the sun or smelling fresh air for years. Estimates range from 10% of any population uh, due to malnutrition, disease, landmines. There are people who require a wheelchair in order to have mobility. I think as humans, we all have a desperate need to move. And uh, even a handicapped person who is not able to move, they'll, they'll figure, they'll try to get a way to move. And those people need to be remembered and helped. So we come along and we say, here's this wheelchair, and we want you to think that you're sitting in God's hands when you sit in this wheelchair. A free wheelchair mission is really focused on giving wheelchairs at a low cost. And then they get seated on the chair, uh, and it's, it's magical. When you lift somebody off the ground and put them into a wheelchair, it by far overshadows any other experience that you, you have of being able to communicate. hard to find something that transforms a life. What added on top of that, another layer, is it's hard to find something that's sustainable, that every day becomes a gift to that person. The wheelchairs is just a great way of meeting a physical need, but not only that, it puts us in position as missionaries and as local churches and as Christians, it puts us in position to meet those spiritual needs. Many people can talk about love, but if you can demonstrate the love of God, even a wheelchair, it, it really changed the perspective of these people. It's like they are thinking, God can remember me. We have a goal that 
is 20 million wheelchairs. That's a big goal. The only thing standing between us and our goal of 20 million wheelchairs are the much needed funds. These people are on the ground now. They're waiting, waiting for us to, to provide a wheelchair. We don't want to take 100 years to solve this problem. There's no reason why we can't solve it now. And the only way we're going to do this is to, is to find people who see our vision, believe in it, believe the value in it, the virtue in it, and can come alongside. And sometimes people get the feeling, you know, free wheelchair mission is so successful, they don't need our help. The reality is we've got 1% of the problem solved now. We have 99% of the way to go. And we so desperately need the help of volunteers who can help us grow. I know that God has touched your heart. Because every time I see that film, I feel like crying. Because we really saw in real life, flesh people, this happen. And, um, you know, Dawn and I have been all over the world on missionary trips, but we had never gone on a trip with Free Wheelchair Mission. We were just kind of being driven to raise the money for a long time. And and would I have thought that God would call me to do that? No, absolutely not. I wanted to see God heal people. I didn't want to give them a wheelchair. I wanted to say, rise up and walk, you know, in the name of Jesus. And I'd say that to Dawn a million times. (laughs) So we ended up going to Nicaragua in July. And we saw amazing stuff. Lots of people's lives got touched. It was, we were in the jungle. It was awesome. We came back fired up. And then we had another team that was lined up to go to Peru. And I want to tell you, church, when God calls you to do something, there's opposition. There's no two ways about it. The first time I ever stepped foot in Peru was with Youth of the Mission, and I got mugged the last day um, with the team. And many people said to me, wow, you were doing such a good work. You were on the mission field, and you got mugged. Why did God let that happen? I was like, I don't know, but he got me out of it. He brought me to the embassy. He provided everything for me to get home. I wasn't worried. I wasn't held at gunpoint, you know. I mean, everything about it, like I just knew that God was protecting me, but I knew that I was going back. The man that um, actually made that video, he's a really good friend of mine in California, and he actually made that video in Peru because Peru is one of the biggest uh, countries that have the greatest need for wheelchairs, and we've already given to them 50000 So now I have a team that wants to go to Peru. So uh, three weeks before we left for Peru, my sister passed away. That was the second death we had in five months. And still I felt like we need to go. I need to go, you know. And, uh, And so I get there, and even up until the last minute of trying to get through customs, they delayed me 45 minutes because my passport was showing up as lost from the last trip. And he's, I didn't know what was going on. They were all speaking Spanish, you know, and I'm like, okay, what's happening? My team is going into the baggage area, and I'm still sitting there, you know. And finally the guy said, you know, this is showing up as a lost passport. And I said, oh, yeah, I was mugged in your country two years ago. It's not lost. It It was stolen from me. This is the new one. And so they just had to go through all the process of getting that rectified and uh, finally get into the country, and God did amazing things. And I just want to tell you, when God calls you, he equips you. When you go somewhere or you do something in obedience to him, amazing things happen in your life, okay? So I'm not telling you these stories to pat myself on the back because there's no way I could take credit for any of this. It was all God, all his plan, all the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we went to this place where we were going to deliver 100 wheelchairs, and we had taken the day before to put them all together. You don't want to put that wheelchair together. <laughs> it doesn't just take five minutes, but it's fast, but not just five minutes. When you said that from the pulpit, I went, hmm, that would have been interesting. 
But <laughs> anyway, um, we get to the place where the wheelchairs are already put together, and there's like 300 people that, that came. They were being bussed in, and they take them through this medical area first. They fill out applications. They, they get um, um, checked out to see if they really need a wheelchair or not. Then they have to go hear the gospel first before they can even get a wheelchair or even have prayer. Then there's two other places. Uh, one is for healing, and one is for just prayer for other reasons. Okay, so I thought, this is really cool. This is an on-fire church. This is a good connection for free wheelchair mission. So they asked us, okay, team, what do you want to do? Do you want to hand out wheelchairs? Do you want to adjust wheelchairs? Do you want to be in the prayer area? We want to kind of split you up all over the place, and you could take turns trading around. So nobody in, on my team wanted to share the gospel. They were scared, you know. And, I was, and we had these wordless bracelets that I'd kind of trained them how to use them, but they were still nervous. I said, okay, I'll do that. And they said, we want to see healings. I'm like, okay. So they go to the, to the area that was for healings. And I could see them, and they could see me. And the whole area was kind of open, and it was these sheets that looked like tents. And the sheet that separated me from them was only halfway. So we knew what was going on. So I started out with them, just praying with them and an interpreter. And then more and more people came, so they pulled me over to, evangel to evangelize, you know. And so I go there. And first I shared my testimony with this group. And I could see that they were really hungry, and they were really open, and they really wanted more of God, you know. So I was having so much fun. I mean, I've shared the gospel all over the world, and sometimes it's been really hard. This was really easy because the people were so expectant of God, and they had great faith. So all we were doing was encouraging them and activating their faith. When I got to the place where I was talking about how Jesus died on the cross for them and um, how hard that would have been for the Father to give up the son like he loved us so much that he gave his own son. I was really stressing that point. I looked in the front row and there was two women and a small child that looked to be about two years old and they were really interested in what I was saying and I said to the woman, I remember everything's through an interpreter, you know, so I said to the woman, um, if your son ran out and was going to get hit by a car, would you step in front of that car and try to save his life? And she said, no. And the whole place got quiet, even the people behind me that were praying for healing. Everybody got quiet because they heard her. And, I, and in my head I was thinking, oh, God, where are you going now, you know? And she starts crying, you know, and so I tell the group, please pray. This woman is really sad. We, we, I want to I know what's going on, you know? So I asked her why was she so sad and why wouldn't she lay down her life for her son? And she said, my son can't run. And I said, oh, the picture was clear. It wasn't that she wouldn't lay down her life. It was that she knew her son couldn't run in front of a car because he had just been declared by a doctor that he would never walk again. He had a bone infection in his leg. And so I said, is, he, is this your son? She said, yes. And he's smiling, you know. And I'm like, Josie's Tiana. He's like, shakes his head yes, you know. And um, I look at his leg, and it's all bandaged, you know, because he just had the surgery. And I said to her, is he in pain sitting in this chair? And she said, no. And I said, can I pray for him and believe God for a miracle that he'll walk? And she said, yes. And she's, I mean, she's just sobbing the whole time, you know. And so I say to the little boy, you know Jesus loves you. I would like to pray for you and ask God to touch your leg. And then I'm going to ask you to stand. Will you do that with me? And he said, yes. And so I prayed, and, and quickly, you know, like no belabored, I just was like, Jesus, you know, will you heal this little boy? You're, you're the healer, you're the mighty God, you know. And I tell the crowd, I say, you know, the word says if we lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. God wants you to believe, 
he's in charge of healing, and I'm going to lay hands, okay? We're going to be a team. This is what we're going to do. We're going to believe God for a miracle. And they were like, okay. They really wanted to believe because they all needed their own miracles, you know? And so I get the little boy to stand up, and I say, are you in pain? And he says, no. And I said to the mother, can I tell him to walk? She said, see, you know. And so I, I still have his hands, and I go, come on, walk with me. He starts walking. The crowd's going crazy. I'm like, are you in pain? He said, no. I said, I'm going to let go of your hands now. I want you to walk to me. He said, okay. So I took a couple steps back. He ran right to me. I picked up that little boy. I was so overwhelmed at what God was doing. I was screaming. I'm like, God just healed him. We just witnessed a miracle. I put him back down in the seat. And I said, don't go anywhere because I'm coming back to you. 20 minutes later, I came back to him and stood away and said, come on, come to me. He jumped right up. He ran right over to me. I said, do you have any pain? He said, no. The whole crowd was like cheering and yelling, okay? So now faith was activated in this crowd. It was so amazing. And he left without a wheelchair because the people were told, if you go and you ask for healing and God heals you, you don't get a wheelchair. You go home healed <laughs> and rejoicing in the Lord. We'll give the wheelchair to somebody else. You know, we don't know what God's going to do. And so um, then I went to this, um, um, let's see, who was the next guy? Oh, there was a guy sitting two seats down from him. And he said he had a knee problem. And he could only walk for five minutes before he had excruciating pain. <clears throat> I never told you this story, Don. And so I said, okay, we're going to pray. I said the same thing again. We're going to believe God. We're going to pray. And I said, I want you to leave this tent after we're done praying, and I want you to walk for at least 10 minutes. If that knee starts to bother you, I want you to come back, and we're going to pray again because I really believe God wants to heal you. And he was like, okay. So we laid hands on his knee. We prayed for him, and he left. I'm going to tell you what. I kept looking up for probably 40 minutes of me praying with other people, and he's still walking, still walking, still walking. He never came back to the tent. I never saw him again. So I'm assuming he jumped on a bus. And, and went home after that because he wasn't in pain, so he didn't come back. God healed him. So the next lady, I have two more really cool stories to tell you. I'm trying to activate your faith, okay? So the next lady um, was older, and she had already received a wheelchair from Free Wheelchair Mission. She was a heavy set lady. Loved God, man. She just kept like, gracias, gracias, Señor, gracias to me, constant, constant, you know? And all she wanted to do was thank us. And so I looked at her, and I said, I said to her family, how long has she been in a wheelchair? And they said, oh, a long, long time. She hasn't stood for months, you know. And I said, this is a really cool wheelchair that you got, huh? And she said, yeah. I said, would you like God to heal you? Would you like to walk? And she said, see, <laughs> you know. And so we laid hands on her, and we said, come on, stand up. And so she stands up, and her family is screaming at the top of their lungs. She hasn't done that for months. She's standing. Come and see. Look what God's doing, you know. And so, of course, then a crowd is gathering, and she's walking. She's shuffling her little feet. You could see that her legs were not strong because the muscles had not been used. But she was her, And she wasn't lifting her feet off the ground, but she was shuffling along. And little by little, the heavy weight that she was putting on us to help, for us to help her, it got lighter and lighter, you know. And then she told the interpreter that she was a little lightheaded. And so I said, come, sit down, sit down. She said, no, no, I want to keep walking. So she walked a little bit more, and then I made her sit down and just encouraged her family to keep her walking, you know, keep her walking. And then the last lady I want to tell you about, and there's many, many more things that happened, and many people that were blessed by the wheelchairs too, you know. Um, especially young children with palsy and different houses that we were in that had been praying for a miracle of a wheelchair for years, you know. Um, but this last lady, 
she followed me around and every time she came to me I was in the middle of praying for somebody and she, she and she said the last time I, I have somebody I want you to pray for and I said I'll be right there and so I left to go find her and the woman had already gone you know and I felt really bad about that but I asked that lady I said her name was um I think her name was Valerie I said is there something I can pray for you about and she said yes she said I just went to the doctor and I have tumors in my breast and they believe it's cancer I have to save enough money to have a biopsy to find out if it is cancer or not and I'm thinking to myself by the time this woman saves the money that cancer is going to spread you need to believe God for a miracle and I said that to her by the time you save the money <laughs> it's going to be like too late we need to pray and believe God for a miracle and she's crying you know she said okay so I laid hands on her felt like this electrical shock go through my hand and um, when I after we got done praying she went it's burning it's burning I feel it burning inside you know and so then the next day she came to, and I told her I said don't go get the biopsy go back to your doctor that told you to get the biopsy let him tell you that they're gone and then please tell the church so that I hear the confirmation of it you know and she was like, okay. But the next day she came and find us. We were on the street somewhere giving out a wheelchair. And she said, I want you to know that I cannot feel what I felt before. They're gone. Like physically I can't feel them. I said, but still, please go to the doctor and then tell the, tell the church. So we just want everything to be confirmed so that God can get all the glory, not because I could care less about me. They're going to forget me. But I want them to remember that God, like, touched them and healed them. So to you now. I'm sure there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about, it's in Deuteronomy, and it says, um, he's talking to the Israelites, and he's saying, it was your own eyes that saw all these great things that the Lord has done, you know? And so I'm sure that many of you, with your own eyes, have seen what the Lord has done. You've heard about what the Lord has done in Peru through us right now. But God has more for you. He has a land for you to walk on. He has a land for you to conquer. You have a place of influence, a circle of influence that I can't touch. Whether that's through free wheelchair mission, whether that's through toys for tots, whether that's through the shoebox ministry, whether that's through giving cookies to the neighbors or an evangelistic outreach or whatever that God has planned for this church. I am so sure as I stand here that God wants to encourage you today that you have a land that he wants you to walk on. And so I want you to leave here, like, encouraged and asking God, you know, this land, let me just tell you this. Um, so, so now you know you have a land. What you're going to do with it is what matters. When God calls you to obedience in something, what you do with it commands a curse or a blessing. You know, it's like you're not responsible for the truth unless you know the truth. You know, one time I was in California, and I picked up this really cool rock. I was at uh, the Grand Canyons, and I started to walk out of the park, and the young kids that were with me were going, Miss Linda, Miss Linda. And I'm like, no, no, talk to me on the bus. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just talk to me on the bus. And when I got on the bus, they were like, you're not allowed to take rocks out of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm taking it now. It's too late. We're already on the bus rolling, you know. Like, what a lie of the enemy that was. I knew I wasn't allowed to take that rock, but I figured if they didn't tell me, it was okay. <laughs> so when you hear truth, you're responsible for it. And I believe I'm speaking truth to you. And if I'm not, the pastor will put me in my place, <laughs> you know. But God has a land for you to conquer, Pittsburgh and beyond. And it's just up to you to say yes and see what God does. And so the next scripture I want to share with you is uh, Deuteronomy 11:12. It says, this land, it's a land the Lord your God cares for. 
The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So this circle of influence you have, this land that's yours, this promised land, you need to walk into it. You need to ask God, what is it? Where do you want me to put my hand? Where do you want me to be generous at? Where do you, where do you want me to give of my time? You know, we're not pew warmers. I know you guys aren't. I know. I can tell. I can sense in my spirit you're not pew warmers. But there's more that God has for you to do. And I'm not saying it just because of free wheelchair mission, although I'm excited that you're going to come on board with us and whatever God does, he does. But there's more for you to do, church. There's more. 13 says, So if you faithfully obey the commands that I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then here's the promise. If you love the Lord your God and you want to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, after he just told you, take the land, okay? Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and you will be satisfied. Blessing is right around the corner for you, church. I don't know what some of you have been through. I'm sure, you know, we all have mountains and valleys, and sometimes life is tough. But when we're obedient to the Lord and we're in the center of his will and we listen to what he says, our circle of influence will be blessed. You're going to be blessed. This church is going to be blessed. And God's going to use your hand to bless others. And so I'm just saying, like, get ready for the lands that God has for you to possess. Just as Dawn Schoendorfer had a thought from God about the wheelchairs and acted on it, we have something, and it's our land, and we need to act. The Lord has not forgotten you. He has a plan. He wants you to say yes. Be obedient to his call, and new wine, grain, and oil will come into your life. You know, the first trip to Peru, I was mugged. When I stepped on that soil a second time, many people were saying to me, aren't you afraid to go there? My mom was like, I can't believe you're going back to Peru after all that, you know. But the second time, you know, the word says everywhere our foot goes, the spirit of God goes before us. The second time commanded a blessing. The second time brought healing. The second time changed more lives than the first. And, and was it because I'm so great? Absolutely not. It's because I'm so weak and I had to call upon the name of the Lord to bring me there and say yes to him. He did it all. He did it all. What great exploits are you going to do in your life? There's going to be many. Just say yes. Just say yes to him. Um, so I'm going to leave you with, uh, what's God's calling on your life? You think about that. What is he calling you to be, to be obedient to right now in this season of your life that's going to command newness and blessing in your life? Because it's right there just waiting for you to say yes. So I just want to say thank you so much um, for being a part of our lives, for open up, opening up this door and letting us share with you. And I hope that God continues to bless you and minister to you and use you because like we're right over the corner so you know when the blessing comes to you it's just going to flow right over to my street and we're going to say yes and amen because of who you are in Christ thank you thank you so much don't uh don't go anywhere just yet I am going to uh let me move this over (laughs) and I'm going to ask you to give just a little bit of information about uh the I've got Christmas, yeah, there you go. Okay, great. There's many, many ways that you can uh, join forces with Free Wheelchair Mission. There's stuff all over Pittsburgh, all different seasons that that are going on that you can hook up with. But right now, we're having a giving tree. 
So just like you're giving trees for kids and for prisoners, kids and all those things that go on, we have, did you bring the next one? I did. We have, and I believe that pastor's going to kick this off on the first when you're decorating the trees, right? We have these really cool um, decorations for your tree. One represents a full wheelchair for $71.88, and one represents a wheel of a wheelchair for $20. And so we're asking you as a church to think about what you would like to pledge for the Christmas season, and then pastor's going to let me know, and I'm going to give you as many as you think you're going to pledge, and then some, because God will always move more as you talk uh, to your neighbors and family and, and things. And... Um, and we're going to hang these on the tree, so the tree will be decorated to remind you with your pledge. And then whatever you decide to pledge, you can write your name on these cards, put it back on the tree, and there'll be a sign-up uh, paper, too, just to keep track so the pastor will know who pledged what to gather everything together at the end of the season. So I believe that's going to start on December 1st, and it'll go through the holidays, and then we'll see what God does. Okay. Thing. All right. Thank you. Can you guys give Linda a hand? Thank you so much. Now, before we go, here's here's the way that uh, let me let me share this how this is this is going to work for us because typically uh, when we talk about giving, especially during Christmas, and I said before, there's so many different people that are saying give 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 to so many different organizations, and uh, what we're asking you to do is just pray through uh, whatever you think that God is going to have you do. Find a thing that excite you, that's going to give you joy, that you're going to be passionate about, and and give to that. You know, let that be the thing that you give. For some, it may be this. For some, it may be the shoebox. For some, it may be the toys for tots. The thing that I like about this uh, is because it doesn't have to be, for example, just me. Okay? Um, a lot of what stops people from giving is they're, especially during the Christmas season, is they're scared. Because I got to buy gifts. I got to do a Thanksgiving dinner, a Christmas dinner. I got to travel somewhere for Christmas. So I can't afford to give. And when, you, when that fear comes in, it's kind of taken away from the God aspect of it. Because it's not supposed to be just us giving. And let me share this quickly. We're going to walk through this quickly. Uh, extreme generosity, one of our core values, is us giving as a church with God. It's, it's all of it coming together. It's not just Floyd going out and giving. That's not extreme generosity. Extreme generosity is when we, the church, come together and God joins in. We acknowledge his resources, what he's giving us, and we give out of that. Let me share this verse really quick. This is in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when he, this is Jesus, had stopped speaking. He said to Simon Peter, and many of you guys are familiar with this, this, this event, uh, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a haul. And this is fishing talk as he was a, a fisherman. And Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing. And sometimes that's how we feel like when it comes to giving. Like I gave to this, I gave to that. I only have this much left to give and it's not going to do anything. How is my little bit going to help? It's not going to amount to anything. And so then we get scared and we don't. But this is what he says. He says, but on the ground of your word, not what I want to do, not what I think I should do, but what you, God, are asking me to do on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. And then when they had done, not just what they wanted to do, but what God's word had spoken to them, when they had done that, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. 
And they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and take hold with them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Extreme generosity is when we involve God. And the thing I love about this is this is really cool. is because I don't just have to give, right? Even if I say, you know what? Even though it's only, what, $71.88 to create this really cool wheelchair. And before I forget, I just want to confirm that she did say I heard this. Pastor can write it, all right? But even though it's only $71.88, okay, and not down the hill, which would really be fun. We'd YouTube it, but we're not, we're not, we're not going to take it down. Okay, but uh, even though it's only $71.88, I may be looking like, you know what? I got family coming in for Thanksgiving and this and that and whatever. But what I can do is I can say, hey, Stephen. How about you give half and I give half and we join together, we prayerfully say, is this something God's calling us to do? And we, between Stephen and I, or between uh, Karen and Stephen and Victoria and I and, and Christy, we can come together and we can give a chair. Or Victoria can say, hey, you know what? I want to do a girls' night, so I'm going to ask Rachel and Lene and Melanie and we'll get together and give a chair. Or... Because many of you parents have kids who are working. You could say to your working children, I'll give half and let them give half and give a chair. Or you could say to your working children, just give a wheel. And I know a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, it's $71. $20 isn't going to do much. But she just told you $20 is going to buy a wheel. And if two people just say, hey, I'll give $20, I'll give $20, that's a wheel, they could probably find someone else who says, hey, I'll give the rest and let's just give a whole chair. And so what we're going to do is when we put up the tree on December 1st, as you guys heard, uh, hopefully we will have some of these where people have committed and donated to say, hey, I'm going to give a chair. The reason why it's important that I'm not saying do this today is because you need to pray about it. You need to ensure that this is what God wants you to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're not going to sing, but I want to spend just a moment of time in prayer, uh, praying as God leads you and leads us and uh, praying for uh, Linda and Don and and their ministry and just praising God uh, for what he's done. And uh, don't go anywhere after him. Ask Linda to hang around. So if you want, you can talk to her more about it. You can find out more details if she hasn't answered any of your questions or or. Maybe there's something that springs to your mind as God begins to speak to your heart. I know he spoke to me about a specific thing that she didn't mention that, that I'm going to, like, ask her about because, um, yeah, I'll get into that. He's, <laughs> it's, all right, I'm just going to pray. God, just bow your heads for a minute, and um, we're, we're just going to just lift our hearts to God. God, we just, we just want to hear from you right now, God. We don't want to feel compelled to give because Floyd said so or because Linda said, hey, there's a need and so we feel compelled to give. We want to give with extreme generosity out of what you have given us, acknowledging that it comes from you and then letting your word guide us to give so that our giving also comes from you. And we want to hear from you because you give us the ability to come together as your people as the church and give generously and we want to give we want to be givers who give like your word says cheerfully hilariously we want to be filled with an abundance of joy at being able to provide whether it be wheelchairs or shoeboxes or whatever God. and we know we live in a nation where even though there's economic turmoil right now not just here but all over the world 
that you can provide the resources that allows us to put one, two, five, seven, however many people that would not be able to if it hadn't been for you in a wheelchair. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts right now, that you would speak to people, that you would speak to families, that you would speak to friends, that you would begin right now putting ways on our heart that we can partner together to put people in these wheelchairs. God, we want to pray for Linda, and we pray that you continue to use her in a mighty way, not just to provide wheelchairs to people, but to provide your truth to people, that you allow her to speak your word, to proclaim your word boldly and clearly to everyone that you give ears to hear, that there is a God who loves them, that he can not only heal them physically, but has the authority and the power to hear the, to heal them spiritually. God, we pray that as she continues to raise up teams and funds, that as she said, that you would just let there be a movement among the people of God in the city and surrounding areas of Pittsburgh to show the extreme generosity out of the resources that you have blessed them with. God, as they prepare for other events, not just fundraising, but for the marathon. And as they travel, we pray that your hand of protection would be on them, that you would remove every spirit of doubt and fear and anxiety. And just give them a spirit of joy and gladness, gladness as they proclaim your word and as they provide resources for those in need. God, we just want to give you praise because we know we don't give anything of our own free will. As Linda said, we give because of what you have so richly and generously blessed us with. And God, we pray that you would allow us to use that to bless the lives of others. God, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray that your hand would be upon us as we go. Allow us to walk out of here boldly proclaiming your word the resources that you give us to continue to bless you and bless the lives of others. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Thank you guys for coming. Pray that you have an awesome Sunday. Please uh, spend some time, talk to Linda some more, find out some more questions about the free wheelchair mission. And um, yeah, I'm going to take a ride in a wheelchair. Have a great weekend. God bless.